When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. And welcome to 1874, the podcast in association with NordVPN. If you want to grab your exclusive NordVPN deal, you can do so by heading to 1874.io slash NordVPN. And if you do that, you'll get a huge discount off the plan and you'll also get four months free. It's completely risk-free because Nord give you a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you think NordVPN can help you out, look at the little description underneath the video and you can utilize it. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics Greg. Greg Evans to discuss Villa's title charge as Aston Villa go to Brentford, a really bogey team they've been over the years, and they win 2-1 with a gritty display. Greg, you were actually at Liverpool v Manchester United yesterday, which was a little bit of a, a snooze fest in some ways. The better game was at Brentford, and Villa came through it, and in years gone by, as I said, Brentford games have been a struggle for Villa. Also, in years gone by, Villa had beat Man City and Arsenal. You kind of feel like they might slip up in this game, but they didn't. And they're riding high in the Premier League. Yeah, the title challenge, as I predicted last week, is firmly on track now, isn't it? <laughs> it's all looking good. Um, I look, first and foremost, apologies for the um, croaky voice. I've got a bit of a cold. Um, I had it for the last couple of days, so... Hopefully not too many coughs and sneezes during this podcast. But no, look, everything everything going smoothly for, for Villa. Just just what they needed really to to back up the brilliant performances and victories against Arsenal and Manchester City. They needed that to carry on the momentum, don't they? And it's it's a really unusual situation for Villa and supporters because they're not used to sort of having to go and win every game, but that's what you have to keep doing really for long periods of the season to keep up, um, you know, a title challenge and and look for as long as it continues. And, and I still think that, you know, Villa are firmly in there and, and I've said that for a couple of weeks now. Um, it's what they just have to keep doing, just have to keep winning games and it doesn't really matter how they do it as long as they win the games. Villa are almost becoming a scalp now. Aren't they? Like teams will start wanting to beat Villa because it's a bit unprecedented what what they're doing. Okay, Newcastle had a brilliant season last year, and obviously there was the Leicester season when they won the league. But as as underdogs, really, Villa are keeping the pace. So as time goes on, teams will want to beat Villa more. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's what we seen with Brentford yesterday. You know, they they changed it up slightly, went a bit more defensive, played a very tight and compact. Um, you know, formation. There wasn't much distance really between the defence and the midfield. It was almost like a block of seven, seven or eight, almost at times, wasn't it? And I think that's what Villa are going to see more often now. And it's how they react to that, how they find ways to to pick the opponents apart. And look, you know, okay, the the, the sending off changed the game and made it a lot more easier for Villa. And, and that's ultimately how they went and won the game. But um, you know, the, there are plenty of other teams around them that have benefited from. Playing against ten men this you know this season and, and gone on to win in a similar way. So look, you, you take each game as it comes. Um, God, that's so cliche, isn't it? Take each game as it comes. I'm, I'm sounding like a, uh, I'm sounding like you know Emery <laughs> because do you know what's frustrating me a little bit about Emery is that he's just not getting. He, he doesn't seem like he's enjoying it yet. He's not getting too carried away. I'm with sure it. he is. Dude, I mean, that. I'm sure privately he is, but I just want him to just. I just want him to be more honest and open when he comes out and speaks and say, look. You know we're in this. Let's let's ride with it because it's very rare, you know, that it happens. And 
Um, I think the players are a little bit more open, aren't they? Certainly, when we speak to John McGinn, he he um, tries to play it down a little bit, but he's but he's more open and honest, um, you know, and believes that they're in they're in the race as long as they're there. So um, let's roll with that. But yeah, look, Villa got the job done. Um, it was difficult, I think, the first half. I thought, you know, Brentford were very well organised. And look, when they went ahead, um, I always think Villa can find a way now, but I was starting to run out of, of a little bit of faith and I was thinking this one might escape them. And that would have been a big blow because they needed the momentum um, to take into the, the Christmas period. It was a really, really hard game. You know, you're right about Brentford d- defending in numbers. I felt in the first half in particular, it was the kind of game where Villa missed a player with a little bit of a bit of craft mm. further forward. So maybe like Emmy Buende, I remember him getting the assist at Brentford last year for, for Douglas Louise. I kind of missed that that number 10 creative player, I felt, to try and break Brentford down because what they were trying in the first half in the main and up until the sending off, really, what wasn't working, it was really, really tough out there for Villa. And Brentford have got a lot of players missing at the moment. I think it was a case of needs must, really, with with, with the way they defended. And they did defend really, really diligently. Got their goal. It's a, it was a disappointing goal again because it feels like that's a goal that Villa have conceded a little bit too often away from home now. I can think of three examples where they've kind of conceded from the breakdown of a corner and not, not cleared their line. So, so that was disappointing because that seems to be a pattern that, that's emerging at the moment. Villa had players missing themselves as, as well. Big players, obviously, Doug, Dougie Louise and then Tillemans, who probably would have played in his position, was missing as well. So McGinn had to come inside and I felt Villa, la- Villa lacked McGinn actually out wide. In that, Bailey not starting as well. Yeah, yeah, Bailey wasn't fit enough to start. So Villa had, had problems of their own as, as well. Ramsey and Moreno, perhaps a little bit rusty. You know, it's good to see them get some get some substantial minutes because they'll be big players for Villa as the season goes on. So it was two teams with a with, with a little bit of a, a problem. But like you say, you do kind of always think Villa Villa might find a way, but there's no doubt that that sending off changed the game. And I find Thomas Frank's comments after the game absolutely bizarre. I, I wish sometimes managers would just be realistic and, and, and a little bit honest because it's a red card every day of the week. It's out of control. It's high. Both his feet are off the floor. I cannot understand for the life of me what Thomas Frank is complaining about there. No, I was a little bit surprised, actually, by Frank. I like he's, Thomas Frank He's, as he's well. a manager who I like. I rate very highly. Very, very good manager. Certainly in the top half of, of managers in, in the Premier League. Um, a decent guy as well. You know, there aren't too many sort of that are, that are you know, open and frank. Uh, about oh, you really assessment. are cliche today, aren't you? What's <laughs> happened to you? But but yeah, it was surprising. It was it was surprising because um, you know you look at the the challenge. But look, Villa fans don't like Benma. Let, let's be honest, because of, of the because of the situation previously when he was at Burnley and the injury that you know he caused to Wesley. Um, but he, he's not a malicious player. You know, he doesn't go out to hurt opponents. He's actually a thoroughly good guy. Yeah, if you listen to him speak, he talks a good game as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of work with the Athletic. Um, You know, my big bosses speak very highly of him. Um, And uh, and look, you know, a a good guy overall, but it was a bad bad challenge, you know. It was a clear sending off. And look, it was a really dangerous one, actually. It could have seriously injured Bailey. And at a time where Bailey is playing extremely well and in a really good, you know, moment for Villa, that could have been really damaging. Um, but just look, the challenge alone, you know, he'll he'll know himself that it was a that it was a sending off. Surely, looking back on it, and and look, I think, you know, I presume Frank was just a bit frustrated because of the manner of the defeat. Um, you know, Brentford were very much in control. Felt that like felt that they had got the goal and were going to go and see it out. They had a couple of penalty um, shouts. You know, the Conza one on Morpai was the the one that I thought perhaps might have been given if any of the two were. Um, so I, th- I think it was a combination of everything. He was just a bit frustrated, but surely he knows that that is you know, a bad challenge and, and, and warranted a, w- a red card. I did feel the ref struggled overall ac- across the whole game. I think he's actually missed something like seven or eight Premier, Premier League games. I think he got demoted for a little bit. He's come back into that game and I just, I just never felt he had control. I've got, I've got to say, I'm full of admiration for Brentford, full of respect for them. I've always liked them as a club. I used to live around there. I think they're a brilliant club and what they've done is so so unique and I love the way they go about things. I watch a lot of football and there's no bias here whatsoever. I've got to say they were the dirtiest team I've seen this season. So many fouls. You know, McGinn was lucky not to get hurt with another challenge in the middle of the park on another day. I think that possibly 
was a red card. Again, I think most of this will be because they're missing players, so they're having to kind of play in a different way. But I did think overall Brentford crossed the line yesterday on a few occasions. Yeah, I think I'd go. I'd agree with you on that. I think, but I think it stems back to what we were saying at the start of the conversation. You know, teams are looking at ways to get the better of Villa now, and you know sometimes they might have to go for the dark arts. They might have to put it on Villa a little bit more. Um, you know, you can imagine almost the players saying, "Look, over these guys that think they're think they're flying high at the top of the league. They're coming to our backyard. We've got to put it on them." Um, you know, perhaps those conversations took place before the game, um, and sometimes that's a way to rattle teams. And there, there, are, there haven't been many opponents that have found a way to rattle Villa this year. So teams are going to have to be different and creative. You know, in a in, in a certain way. Um, but yeah, look, you know, obviously, you know, certain challenges can't go, uh, can't, can't, you know, can't happen because it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause injuries potentially as well. Yeah, Villa got back in the game when Brentford had obviously gone down to, to ten men. A nice cross from Bailey and Alex Moreno kind of taking advantage of the fact that Villa Villa had a spare man at the back post and, and heading it home. It's great to have him back, isn't it? Because I thought he looked rusty at times, and in the end, he was running on complete fumes. <laughs> M- M- Moreno, but he's something different to Luca Dean. I don't think Moreno automatically comes back in the side because I actually think Luca Dean's been been really good over the last two months. But it's nice now that they've got two options at left back and they've got kind of two different types of player. Moreno was, you know, in the first half. All Villa's chances fell to Moreno as well. He was he was a real threat. And he, like I say, it's just nice to have two high-quality left-backs on good form up against each other now. And you may even see Moreno play further forward in yeah. certain games as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, they're, they're different players, aren't they? But it's, it's good that they're varied because it brings different options and it, and it will give the manager um, the opportunity to play in a certain way against certain opponents. You know, one game might, might work better for Moreno starting another Luca Dean. I think what we see with Luca Dean is obviously his delivery is much better uh, with, with Moreno. He gets around the back post a lot. That's how he got his goal. There were a couple of other occasions that he was in that position um, and got into really good, dangerous areas. You know, he loves to get to the byline, doesn't he? And, and, and kind of chop in from there. Uh, I really like his story. You know, he's not a young lad, although he does look <laughs> relatively young. He's a very, um, very handsome boy. I mean, yeah, good looking guy. Good looking guy. Yeah, not, not, boy, not envious but... at all. Not envious at all. The, the only thing I, we've got over him is we're a bit taller, so <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all we can. Uh, that's all we can. Um, that's all we can say. But no, look, when he ca- when he came to the club, um, he was the you know the one signing in in the last January transfer window that, that Unai Emery was given. Um, Villa sanctioned the deal because they thought it was a you know a good value deal, wasn't too much, and they wanted to give Unai Emery um, you know a player that he actually specifically wanted. So um, he'd, he'd obviously watched uh, Moreno, you know, light it up for for Real Betis for for a good couple of years. But there was there was a lot of changes that he needed to make to his game. So so when Moreno first came to the club, he he was actually given like a a, um, a, re- a reel of clips that he had to go home and study. Um, and how he had to position his body and uh, the way um, he positioned himself in the team had to be changed a little bit just so he got used to playing the the new Villa way or the way that Emery wants to play. So, you know, it took him a little bit of time really as well. Another guy that come in that couldn't really speak much English um, did an interview with him last year and it was it was all in Spanish. So he needed, you know, to get used to the new surroundings, hadn't been to England before. I think he came over with his partner, but... Um, that just stems back to everything that you know. He's good at the club. There's there's lots of you know really uh, high level departments at the club that will help players settle in now, and perhaps haven't haven't been able to in previous years. So yeah, look, good good to have him back. Um, I think he was a little bit what's the word you know uh, downbeat during his injury because he was in a he was playing well, wasn't he? He was in good yeah, form. Really and well. he felt like he needed that to you know. Continue the momentum taking into the next season, but um, had appeared on the sidelines and he's back now and, and, and contributing. Yeah, frustrating as well when you get back and then you have another kind of a reoccurrence that that is in in a way what happened with Ramsey and Moreno. They got yeah. themselves back and then <laughs> they both both went out injured again for, for, for a month or so. It's brilliant to have both of them back. I actually think in Ramsey and Moreno's absence, Villa have kind of stumbled upon two different combinations down that left-hand side because Ramsey and Moreno were, were brilliant together at the end of last season. We scored a lot of goals from Moreno. Cutbacks as well for Louise on the left-hand side of central midfield or Ramsey on the left. I'd say Luca Dean is more that more stand and deliver 
fullback that will get wide and, and, and whip in across, whereas Moreno relies a little bit more on cutbacks. But in that absence, we've had McGinn and Luca Dean down that side as well, which has worked yeah. as a good combination. So in that absence, Villa kind of have two different duos down that down that side now, which yeah, I, I find quite option, interesting. Though. And again, that gives you different ways of playing, doesn't it? Amazing options, you know, genuinely really, really good options to have. And, and you know that both of them are going to are gonna work for Villa. Um, thinking about it last night, you know, Villa are now at the stage where they can almost afford to have a luxury player or a player that has sort of luxury traits because of how well organised they are, because of how well disciplined the rest of the squad uh, team is and because of how much each player knows his role and responsibility and goes out and executes it every week. So if you think back to a couple of years ago, we'd probably be looking at Villa and thinking, Moreno, yeah, not great defensively, likes to get forward a lot. Luca Dean, again, probably not the best defensively, but we know his quality, qualities are in the attacking areas. But Villa are, are a top four, top five, top six team, however you want to describe them. That They can have players like that. You know, like Jao Cancelo used to be at Man, Man City, for example, um, or Hector Bellerin at Arsenal. Loads of examples, but Villa are now in that are in that sort of moment where they can have a luxury player or two because the rest of the team is so good. And you'd just probably describe Leon Bailey as a, as a luxury player early on in the season. I think got five goals and five assists now in the Premier League without having started many games. So he's like goals and assists per minute ratio is up there as towards the best in the Premier League and probably not fully fit yesterday. It's just a just a clutch player now, isn't he? Dynamic winger that we that we thought we'd signed a few years ago. He's it's taken him a while to get going, but he's absolutely brilliant at the moment. And probably if you pick Villa's best eleven now when everyone's fit, you probably have to have Leon Bailey in it, don't you? And on yeah. the opposite end of that spectrum, I know they're not playing in the same role because the RB players up top, but the RB's almost. I feel like as Bailey's confidence has shot up, the RB's has come down a little bit. I think. Feels that way, doesn't it, with Diaba? He's he's dropped off a little. But I think if you look at a lot of the players that have come into the Premier League um, this season, a fair few of them started quite well and have dipped off a little bit. And I suppose that's always natural, you know. Sometimes it can be the other way. You think Shopper's lied than that at Liverpool as yeah, well? Yeah, he was, he was the main example I was I was thinking of, to be honest. Yeah. You know, Zabosloy and, um, and Gravenberg at, at Liverpool are you know, a couple of examples. But if... <laughs> With Diaby, I was really, really impressed with him. I remember that you know first game at Newcastle. I thought, wow, Villa have really got a player here. But um, and he took that into the few, you know the, the next few weeks and months, but just slightly dropped off a little bit. Maybe he just needs a little bit of a rest, you know, taking out the team and and and, and we'll come back in the new year firing. The good thing for Villa is that they're not missing him because of what what Bailey's doing. Um, and yeah, you know, again, without sounding like a broken record for, for those who listen every week, you know, we, we wrote Bailey off, didn't we? But we can safely say now that he's a, a, you know, an important part of this team who turns up in the big moments. Lovely cross yesterday, you know, lovely goal against Man City. There were some concerns, you know, higher up at Villa about his attitude and um, about his, you know, certainly about his performances in the first couple of seasons at the club. But they stuck with him because they knew what they what he'd done uh, you know Germany and, and in in Germany for for Leverkusen um and they were confident that they could get that out of him but it's just another sign really of 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 what Emery's done um improving another player who who's clearly got it in there yeah. you know and you look at a lot of these villa players they were signed for big money you know there's a lot of it's it's not a massive shock that villa are high up in the table because it's a really expensively assembled squad now. You know, every player, has, other than a few of the midfielders, have come for big money. They were signed because they had quality already. It was just extracting it out of them. From there. I feel like John McGinn, has, it feels like, and from stuff I've heard as well, has taken on a bit of a, not a big, a big brother role. I can't think of another way to, to describe it, but a bit more of a, a mentor role with Leon Bailey, kind of taking him under his wing. You see them interact on, on, on social media, they seem like they've gotten quite close. And I've got to say, McGinn's leadership overall now is, is really, really impressive. Maybe we'll come on to the to, to the sending off, but you can just buy his reaction to Kamara's sending mm-hmm. off as well. We'll, we'll come on to the sending off, as, as I've said. But McGinn seems to be just galvanising those those around him. Not only an exceptional player and on the form of his life, but and also just a, a brilliant captain now for Villa. I was critical of him being my captain when he wasn't. I don't think that was right at the time, but... 
the heartbeat of the side now. And there's, I don't know whether you've seen it, there's a, a lovely Premier League documentary on, on YouTube about John McGinn. It's about 25, 30 minutes long. Premier League stories well worth a watch into his upbringing and how he became a footballer. But I feel like McGinn has helped with Bailey as well, from what I hear. Yeah, I think you know McGinn's a leading light in this team. I, I went to Scotland last year and went to his went to his um, hometown. Uh, you know, spent some time talking to people that that helped nurture him in in his earlier years. He's obviously from a from a family of brothers who who also play, um, and you know the mom and dad are, are very very sort of grounded and you know go to all the different brothers' games. And it's not just a case of let's go to Villa every week. They still go to um, it was Falkirk last year. I think Stephen's still there and. Um, uh, Motherwell for oh, I forgot his name. <laughs> I forgot his other brother's Paul? name. Paul Paul McGinn. Oh, I should know because there was a documentary yesterday, and they were both in it. Oh, were they mentioned? Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> I, haven't got chance, I haven't had a chance to read that uh, to watch that documentary. As I say, I, I did a, a similar sort of version of my own. It was very much like your article, article, to be honest. <laughs> maybe, they watched, maybe they read through. <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah, look, you know, we, we love the McGinn story, don't we? Um, think that he's a good mixture now of performance and vocal leader you know he can really rally the troops if he needs to he can calm players down if he needs to or at least try to he did that yesterday with um you know furious with Kamara wasn't he with with the reaction and there was just just no no real need for that and you know again I was watching thinking with Martinez as well I was just like you know he felt just a little bit loose yesterday Martinez and I was concerned that he was going to lose his call and potentially get sent off and that's literally the last thing Villa need because there are only a couple of players I think in that Villa team that are irreplaceable and, and he's one of them you know mm. with, with with no Olsen at the moment do we know, do we know what's going on with Olsen I, I don't know but we'll try and find out but you know it's it's Philip Marshall on the on the bench now and he's a you know it's a lovely story of, of his as well I, sh- I shared an article that I wrote in the Athletic uh, last year about about Marshall when he made his debut in, in Bosnia last week it was only seven years ago when he was 13 years old that he was an outfield player and now he's making his debut for Villa you know the in the senior team as a 20 year old as a goalkeeper it's incredible but with all due respect to Philip Marshall Villa on a title charge do not want to see him in goal or put the pressure on him in goal in big real big games in the Premier League so yeah I, I hope Martinez starts to keep his call a little bit more because um he's going to be huge for Villa I suggest we don't really want to see Olsen in goal. <laughs> well, I mean, look, yeah, they, they, look you, you, you just don't want to lose Martinez, do you? No, because he's, too good. he's, he's too irreplaceable. Good. Yeah, I think he's him and good. I think him McGinn and 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 Watkins are the ones that, if either of those three are ever out, you know, Villa are going to be very different. I think. I would say Louise is Villa's best outfielder as well. So you know, you're not even putting him in there, which I, they kind of have got a replacement for, for him if, if if he's not there. You're right, definitely on Watkins and Martinez. There's there's no. No replacement of, of similar quality to, to come in for them. That'd, that'd be huge, huge losses. We will come back to, to the red car, but let's talk about the Ollie Watkins goal. Lovely little flick from Kamara. Actually, Ramsey was taking the set pieces yesterday, wasn't he? Because we had so we had players missing who were all our dead ball specialists. Ramsey put one in, and uh, Kamara with a lovely little flick, and Watkins heads it home, and then has a little bit of a to do with with a Brentford fan. I agree with what Watkins did. You know what I'm saying? I actually. Uh, it, Probably didn't go about it the right way, but when Eric Dyer climbed into the crowd, I actually understood that as well because people go to football matches and think they can shout and say whatever they want to, to people who are human beings. They just happen to be footballers, and I've always found that mentality completely bizarre and weird. Even sometimes you hear what people say about your your own players, yeah, in 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 yeah. the crowd. Like I don't get it. <clears throat> I, I don't understand it at all. So I think Ollie Watkins has got every right to celebrate. In, in that manner, I mean, Richard Keyes is an absolute knob saying it was inciting violence. It, it wasn't. Did it? Yeah, I mean, he's a tension seeker, isn't he? He's just, he hasn't had any attention for a while, Richard Keyes. So he's, he's looking for some some publicity for, for, for himself. But I think Watkins has got every right to react in that manner if, if someone's shouting abuse at you all game. And if you can, if you can hear it, it's obviously very, very vocal abuse. Yes, um, yeah, he's, he's well within his right. He didn't do anything for me. He just he stood just looked, looked. He just looked, stood there and said, "I've just scored." Um, what are you going to say now? Effectively, up, yeah. he just he just stood up to the bullet. <laughs> you know, that's that's literally all it was. Um, fair play to him. You know, footballers who get abused. Uh, I think some of them take it better than others. Um, it must be difficult. I think I presume it. To, you know, would take some getting used to, um, but. 
if it's one person, which is what it was with, with Watkins, one person constantly going on at you, um, you know, the first thing you're going to think of if you're in that end and you score is to go up to him and say, look, you know, look, right in front of him as well. Yeah. So look, it, it was a perfect scenario really. Um, and I think he handled himself really well. Uh, I like the fact that he come out after and, and spoke about it and said, look, you know, we, we didn't, didn't shy away from it. Um, just said, this is why I did it. I'd do it again. Um, and fair play to him. Yeah. You know, if, if people are going to give him stick, then give it back in a respectful way. Yeah, and to give Thomas Frank credit, I think he kind of came out and understood it at the, at the end of the day when he was asked about that. Thomas Frank, he explained Ollie Watkins is a good guy. And that, that's the thing as well, you know, Ollie Watkins is quite a placid guy. You know, there is yeah. some footballers that go out their way to shush the crowd and do things yeah. like that. That just Watkins isn't, isn't like that. that what, Watkins, Watkins is very, he's, look, he's, 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 he's a little bit shy and unassuming almost. You know, he doesn't fully believe in him, in how good he is, which is a shame because he's brilliant. Um, and if he believed in himself a little bit more, you know, he could be even better. But that was that was something Dean Smith used to always say, you know, who signed him twice. So he knew him very well. Um, said that he just needs to believe in himself a little bit more. You can see that that confidence now is there because, you know, the goals and the statistics show and highlight how good he is. Um, but yeah, yeah, look, he, he, he respects Brentford. He respects the fans. He likes going back there. You know, it was a big part of his career. Um, he know, he knows that Brentford give get, gave him the platform to kick on to become a Villa and Premier League and an international player. Um, so yeah, that that would have been a, a bit disappointing for him. Um, but yeah, and, and just to go back onto the goal. It was uh, it was another one out of the Austin McPhee set set, uh, set piece playbook, wasn't it? Do you reckon brilliant. that was one of his? Or do you think Ramsey? Brilliant, do you think Ramsey? Brilliant. brilliant. Do you think that was one of his? Uh, I think it was Diego Carlos or Conza. They uh, at the front post. Pretty sure it was uh, Carlos. He he just almost he, well. He's a blocker, so that's his job. Um, he he took two defenders out, and that allowed uh, Kamara to flick on for uh, for Watkins to to score it. So yeah, um, yeah, and another one to uh, to go in the attacking playbook. I think. Yeah, in fairness, Diego Carlos and Kamara kind of had a beeline for each other with the celebration. As, yeah, as it was. It, it was Car- It was Carlos, wasn't it? That held the two yeah, defenders off. Maybe yeah, right. Maybe it was a McPhee one. Look, it was it, it, each player in a set piece um, in an attacking set play. Now has got their roles. You know, one will be to be on the front post. One will be on the back post. Another one will be um, to be a blocker. One will be to pull other defenders out of the way. Another one to make a, a false run, etc., etc. Every player at Villa knows exactly what they've got to do, and that's why they're so creative at attacking set plays. Yeah, it's a really, really big goal as well. And I guarantee you, I'd back, back to Ollie Watkins. He wouldn't have really celebrated had that guy not been abusing him all game. He'd no, been very respectful so. of Brentford, even though it was a massive goal. I, still, I, don't, I think it would have been a mooted celebration for, for, from Ollie Watkins. In, in fairness, you know, he still does, a, he, you know, that, that Woody lad at, at Brentford, he's still very close with him. Ollie Watkins is he's a, he's a good footballer, but he's a good guy as well. Yeah. So something must have been said to him terrible all the way through the game for him to have reacted in that manner. And then the game kind of descended into absolute chaos. Keystone Cops, I think it was about 15 <laughs> yellow cards but by, by, by the end by the end of the game. Now, I mean, Bailey needs got a pretty own goal as, as well. That was, <laughs> what does he do? Absolutely ridiculous. I've, I've learned when I'm watching... I've learned when I'm watching games to like... I'm quite quiet because if ever I jump up and celebrate, I scare Tuba because obviously he's blind, so he doesn't <laughs> know. No sudden noise scares him. So I celebrate very quietly when I'm watching football on my own. But when Bailey made that back pass, I could say straight away, <laughs> oh, no, we're in, we're, we're in big trouble here with this back pass. Martinez just kind of got a, a stud on it or a, a toe on it to, to divert it wider than... I really don't like Malpa. I've never been a massive fan of him. I find him really, really irritating. He, Martinez makes the most of it, of course. You know that's Martinez. That's what he does. Malpa bumps into him. Martinez hits the hits the, hits the deck. It is what it is. Malpa got booked, but then you do have to question Martinez at the at the end of the game. You know, Villa are trying He's to wind down the yeah. Don't just don't get involved because no, ultimately that's ended up with Villa losing Kamara for three games. I think yeah. the red card on Kamara is fair. You can't do that. You, just the rules you cannot do. He was he didn't do too much, but you can't do it. You can't raise your hands to someone's throat. So Kamara's now going to be missing for three games. But it, we love him, man. We love everything that he stands for and everything he's done for us. And he is a crazy, crazy character. That's cost us Kamara for three games. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, look, I think with more pie, 
there's a bit of well, I know there is. There's there's, there's long there's a long running feud between him and some of the Villa players. Um, you can clearly see there's no love lost whatsoever between him and Conza. Um, <laughs> I think when he was at Brighton, they might, might have played together at Brentford, but yeah, but, they would have done. They would have yeah, done. but ever ever since that they've had a scuffle every single game, and I think there's been a few. There's been a few things going on in the um, uh, in, in the dugout, um, you know, after games, various in, in, in previous meetings. I think it was more so in the championship and and uh, when Jack Grealish was at the club. But look, some of the longer serving players will remember that. So yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of needle there, shall we say, with with Mopai. But um, Martinez for me, he's he's just been he's just been unbelievable, isn't he? You know, he what. A signing, he, he what an unbelievable signing! There aren't many better, really. If you if you cut it all down, there aren't many better, really, than, than, than what Villa have made. He's it's one of the, the best, best one of the best goalkeeper signings ever. It's one of the best goalkeeper signings ever. Yeah. You look at what he's achieved and where he was when he came to Villa, and the fee Villa have yeah. ended up paying. Yeah, yeah. The what, value, what you know, everything, better. the value for money, the uh, impact that he's had on the team, um, the potential sell-on value, the exposure that he's given Villa um, in terms of winning the World Cup and things like that. You know, he's the full package. Um, but yeah, you just you just don't want to lose him for any games. Um, and for me, he just felt like he was just a little bit loose with various things and he just needed to just switch off. Um, I think Emery grabbed him at one point, didn't he? Almost Emery won't, to... won't like that. No, no, of course he won't. But um by looking at his face, I mean, you could tell by his facial expressions, even though his body language was a bit different. I think his facial expressions showed that he was in control and that he knew that he wasn't going to step over the line. But if you're in the stands and you're seeing that, you can't really you can't really see anything. What on earth is he doing? But um, oh, look, you know, games, games. I, I like a bit of aggressiveness, you know, in football. We, we, we've lost a lot of it now, but look, you need to. And, and, and some of the sort of dives, <laughs> I mean, he's dive onto the... Um, you know, into, into the penalty box. I just thought, what are you doing? You're a massive guy. Just stand up. Um, and then the other one that followed from the Brentford player, was it more was it? Yeah, more again, yeah. yeah. He, he, I mean, his, his was worse, a worse reaction to what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he flew to the floor. Just grow up, both of you. Yeah, but... You're grown then. <laughs> yeah, Kamara for three games, though, ultimately, is, is what's happened now. I look at the fixtures and think, it could have been worse. It could, it could have been three games that we've, that we've just faced. Yeah. Where we'd 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 have been without him. He was so good against Man City. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Kamara, you know, kind of burning Sheffield United at home. You kind of think Villa should have enough, and even Manchester United away. You'd think, okay, for, you know, they're not what they used to be as well. So there's games that he's missing. It's not not the end of the world, but at a time when you are going to inevitably pick up other suspensions and, and other injuries, it's just it's needless, isn't it? Yeah, it's silly. Um, you know, he came out after and posted. He said, look, you know, great, great to win. Really sorry about the red card. Um, he's a plastic guy as well. Mm, yeah, I wouldn't Maybe be not. so sure. Um, oh, he's got a bit about him. He's got a bit about him. And, uh, but yeah, look, you know, it's, it's, you can't do it in football, can you, anymore? You can't do that. You're going to get sent off. It was minor, but you, you just it's can't do it. It's a red it. card. It's a, it's a red card. There's, yeah. no, there's no question about it, but it's, it's just so minor. Um you know, if, if you're in a pub and you do that, for example, it's it's absolutely nothing, is it? So, um, but look, oh, Vim, you, Greg Vim Evans has been in a pub many a time over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the other way around. It's usually <laughs> on. <me. laughs> um, so Villa are going to Villa will miss him. I don't think it will be too damaging, as you said. You know, the, the the fixtures that Villa have got coming up should be able to get the job done anyway. Um, but yeah, just not what they needed. Yeah, we'll carry on. Well, we'll, we'll wait for Greg to finish coughing <coughs> and then we'll, we've probably done done the Brentford game now, but we'll get back into the pod after hearing a little bit more about NordVPN. 1874 is proudly sponsored by NordVPN, so when the Villa are playing and you can't watch it, we want to help you. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and your smart television. So if you want to watch some live content, it allows you to appear like you're in another country. And whilst you're connected, no one else can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy for you. 
As part of NordVPN supporting 1874, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to 1874.io slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details are also in the description. As always, we're very grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight, but if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help keep the channel running and help us too. Yep, NordVPN definitely helped me out yesterday. So, Greg, Villa go into the Christmas period. Now, 22nd, Friday the 22nd, they're playing Sheffield United. Chance to go top of the league due to Arsenal and Liverpool playing a little bit later. And there's every chance that game could be a draw, in fairness. So, Villa face the real possibility of being top at Christmas, which if you'd have said to us last Christmas, that in a year's time, Villa would be top at Christmas, we would have laughed. We would, and we're still laughing, aren't we? <laughs> you yes. know, it's, uh, it's amazing. Look, I tweeted it out last night straight after the, the Liverpool game. I mean, the, fir- the first thing that crossed my mind when, when Liverpool drew, man, uh, drew with Man United was that, wow, what an opportunity for, for Villa this is, you know, going to, playing first, having the opportunity to go top of the league and then potentially still being top at Christmas. Uh, look, it's amazing. Um, and it, it's it's just it's it's not becoming a surprise anymore because Villa have done this over seventeen games. Is it this season or eighteen so far? Seventeen. Question. I don't know the answer. I think it's seventeen. So we've done it over seventeen games this season. Is the table? There we go. Seventeen, 17. games. Um, you know, like almost almost at the halfway stage now. But also, it's the it's the the longevity of of Villa under Emery. You know that that gives me so much. Uh, belief that they can continue doing this because they've been doing it for a very long time now. Yeah, I think people overlook that, don't they? In the, in, in the wider media, they think that oh, this is just a season thing. But Villa came from nowhere to get seventh. The record in twenty twenty three, only Manchester City have got more points than Aston Villa, which is absolutely incredible. And given you know, Emery, it's not like he's gone wild and bought in loads of players, is it? You know, a lot of Villa's best players were already there, and that was a team that was floundering at the bottom of the league. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, really, really clever signings. Moreno's come in and 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 helped a little bit. Pal Torres, who oh, I, I, wasn't think, I thought he was totally, brilliant, I thought he was wasn't entirely stuff. convinced with at the start of the season. You know, again, another one that sort of left me eating my words because he's 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 been excellent, um, certainly in build up play. But you know, Diaby, fifty million pound, it is a lot of money still. Um, so. Uh, you know, Villa, Villa have invested significantly. We have to we have to remember that they have invested a lot. Um, Interesting, wasn't it, in the week, the, the new link-up with the Terros, um, you know, the, the minority investment, um, which will just take the financial heat off off Edens and Sawiris a little bit in, in times to come. And, and look, you know, be interesting to see what happens now and whether, you know, Villa move forward with infrastructure improvements. Um, I think they said in the statement, didn't they, it was all about growth uh, and in, infrastructure uh, yeah. investments. I think, look, you know, Suarez and Edens will be looking at the bigger picture now across V-Sports. Yes, Aston Villa are their big, um, you know, the number one first thought. They're the cornerstone of the operations. But we've got to remember these are two very successful, wealthy guys um, and only they will know what they want in the future. So um, this additional investment will be interesting to see what happens in the future. I've got to admit, I've completely forgotten that, that happened. I, I read it at the time when it came up. I've completely forgotten about it because I'm so focused on the games at the moment. Villa are doing so, so, so well. Many. I almost... I almost only think about the, the games and, and, and don't think about any, anything else. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that until you just alerted me to, to it, Greg. So, yeah, that's a an interesting link-up that, that Villa have got there. Anything else we want to cover? Maybe, you know, we're coming up to, to January, Greg. People people like to hear if there's anything, any murmurings. You heard any murmurings <coughs> around Villa and transfers, Greg? No, to be honest, no. Um, in fact, it was quite the opposite. And I know clubs are, are very keen to play down sort of... Um, you know, transfer speculation, but it was more a case of Villa are very well set. You know, it might be another relatively quiet January um, if there's an opportunity. Oh God, I'm sounding like a manager here. If there's an opportunity to invest then uh, that will improve the squad, then they will. But, um, you know, we discussed in previous weeks, we don't really think they need to do that. Um, But if something comes up, they'll be open to it. Yeah, I was at Sky last week doing the transfer stuff and I honestly think it's going to be a really quiet January all round. I don't think anyone's going to be splashing the cash. I think the Everton thing has alerted teams in in, oh, yeah, in, so. in many a way. And I, I do honestly just think Villa are pretty well set. You know, Jacob wrote a few weeks ago about maybe a right-back for Villa. We're looking at that to maybe the only position that they they might look to strengthen it. I think if they could move Chambers on, they might look for a more 
orthodox right back than him because he's looked like he struggled every time he's coming to the team this season. But I do take on board that it's hard when you're never playing to to, to just come in and, and be expected to, to hit the ground running. That just that just isn't going to happen. But he's barely had any football, even when we've played second string sides. Now Chambers isn't getting a game. So Jacob wrote a few weeks ago about right back being potentially. But if we didn't sign anyone, I've got to say I wouldn't be bothered in. In, in one bit, I don't think the teams around Villa at the moment are going to be <coughs> dramatically strengthening. You might see Man City bringing a player, perhaps. I don't think Arsenal have got the wiggle room to, to do anything, really. And I think Liverpool exa- exactly the same. I think they'll wait till the summer. So I don't think the teams around Villa will be doing massive business either. No, Jan- January is typically turning into a quite a quiet transfer window now, isn't it? It's, all, it's almost like clubs... Except for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, well, is it ever quiet yeah. at Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> um, Clubs are, are, are wanting to sort of plan in the summer now and have much longer periods of time with the players, um, you know, get a full pre-season in them. You know, you speak to, and, and I'll speak to various directors and, 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 and other staff at, at different clubs across the country, and, and they all sort of say the same thing. It's um, January's a panic market almost. It's for clubs that are struggling and need something else. If there, you know, might be a case of, uh, there are a couple of injuries that, that that clubs need to address. That's a perfect opportunity to then bring a player in on loan or just boost up the squad. But I think the really well-prepared clubs know what they're doing in the summer and they plan for the season ahead, regardless of what might happen. Um, and January is just a just a case to really uh, just a time to really top things up if needed. But but they don't need to do that. You know they've got a very strong squad and um, you know the Europa Conference League games now is a bit of a break so. Uh, the fixture list is looking a lot more calmer. Yeah, grateful for that break as well. Good to just get through that last game. I think we're, we're literally playing at 10 miles per hour at times. It was just a game Villa needed to get through with no one getting hurt, nothing silly happening and just finish top of the group. And that's ex- exactly what they've done. I think that was always how Villa were going to treat the group stage because I think, you know, bigger eyes on what was going on in, in the league for the first half of this season. But it will be interesting, you know, if Villa do get to the last of stages and they're still either hunting for the title, I can't believe I'm saying this, mm. hunting for the title or, or hunting for Champions League football, which, you know, I think if Villa didn't get Champions League football now in the position they're in at Christmas, we'd be... Uh, there'd be a, an element of being a little bit upset by it, wouldn't there? So, do you think at a point they may have to prioritise one over the other? A bit like I'm not saying to the extreme yeah. that Martin O'Neill went, and it obviously went extremely wrong because we got knocked out and we didn't finish in the top four. Do you think there might become a time when Villa have to have to look at that? Maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's a really sensitive, not sensitive. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because we've seen Villa do this in the past with Martin O'Neill. Um, and that night in Moscow, you know, haunted him really. I think for a long time because yeah. fans were furious about it. Um, I remember doing an article for the Athletic where I spoke to almost every player from that team, um, you know, including a lot of the youngsters that played in Moscow, but also some of the senior players that were left out. And there was very mi- mixed emotions fr- from them. You know, the likes of of Gabby and, and Petrov and some of the more senior ones were saying, "Well, to be honest, we wanted to be in the Champions League." We wanted to push for the Champions League, so we were with the manager um, in, in in agreeing that um, you know the league form was the most important. Yeah, you spoke to some of the younger lads, the ones that got the opportunity, and they say, "Well, you know, we, we were grateful for playing, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But then also some of the supporters that went there, we want to win a trophy, we yeah, want to the continue. The supporters were very upset, and they were very, very angry. So um, there were lots of different. Examples from from years gone by. I remember Fulham under Roy Hodgson when they got very deep into well, they got to the final, didn't they? The Europa League, um, and they had to start resting players in the in the Premier League. Whereas at the start of that campaign, they were resting players in the Europa League. Mm. Now I think Villa have gone about things in the right way so far because they've been playing strong teams in the Europa Conference League. Obviously, playing the strongest team in the Premier League. The one result that you know annoyed everybody a little bit was losing to Everton. In the, in the League Cup because they tossed that one off almost, didn't they? They put a really weakened team out and that frustrated a lot of fans at the point at that point because um, you're very early into the season, didn't really know what was going to happen next. Um, I think Villa had lost the first game at that point in the Conference League, hadn't they? And it was kind of like, well, yeah. you know, what's happening here? Are we, Injuries. Are we, are, we, are we throwing things away, you know, aimlessly here? But um, I wanted to ask you this because I was thinking, I was going to say, would you prefer to win the Europa Conference League 
because you always go on to me about, I just desperately want to see a cup win or a win in my lifetime um, or for Villa to, to champ- uh, qualify in the Champions League. I sound so fickle because I have said that. I've said it for years. Every time I go on talk sport and Villa are doing well, they ask me about what I want and I always say, trophy, we haven't won anything since 1996. But right now, if you offered me a choice between the Conference League and Champions League football for next season, being completely honest, and I almost don't like myself for saying it, I would take the, the Champions League, and there's, there's a couple of reasons. I just think what qualifying for the Champions League does for you as a club <coughs> outweighs what winning the Conference League does for you as, as a club. I mean, in an ideal world, we'll, we'll get both. The second aspect of that is I'm not disrespecting the Conference League, if Villa get to a Conference League final, there's only about 6,000 Villa fans that are actually going to get yeah. there. You know, it's not like when you go to Wembley and you're all there and you all get to enjoy it and you all get to celebrate it. It will just be those unbelievable people and there's so many amazing people that follow Villa everywhere. It will be just them there and, you know, they deserve to be there. I'm not I'm not knocking that. Do you, but do you, not, do you not think, do you not think, well, surely Villa fans will turn out in the droves over to Athens and, yeah, of course, look, and they will just go over there already. and not, yeah, not cool. everyone will go to the game. And I think for that core group that go to every away game anyway, and I mean, you know, there, there are lots, there are, there are a fair few of them on the my connecting flight. I, I covered Liverpool in Brussels this week and there was a, a fair few flying out to Bosnia on, on the connecting flight that I got on from, from, from Birmingham. Um, you know, it'd be an amazing it'd be an amazing thing for those who have gone to every game and then go on and win the final. But as you say, yeah, it's a very small amount. Um, so yeah, I mean, looking at it right now, you know, Villa are in a promo- uh, Villa are in a title challenge. That's the only um, thing. Teams are in that tournament usually are not in the title no, race. No, no, so they're, they're, the they're in the title race. So like, for me, that that would have to be the priority right now. I think. Yes, Villa need to go and win a cup at some point. Um, the Europa Conference League has got that sort of element of it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse competition still, but um, you know you still have to finish in the top seven in the Premier League to get there. So uh, the thing with Emery, you know, you look back throughout his career and he's got to a lot of finals and he's lost a fair few. If you think of think of the Arsenal experience, got right, you know, he got to the final and it all started, it all fell apart for him at the very end of the season, mm. didn't it? You know, they, they just didn't qualify. Arsenal just missed out on the Champions League, I think, finished fifth. Um, they lost in the Europa League final. They lost in the FA Cup final or League Cup final, I think. I think they lost the FA Cup final. I think the FA I could Cup be final. Wrong. I could be so, wrong. you know, Emery's gone through these bruising experiences in England where everything's been looking all right, got to the end of the season, and it's all gone flat. So... Just needs to be a tiny, tiny reality check with Villa, you know, at this moment. Yeah, it's really, really exciting, but there's so much hard work still to be done to get the, um, you know, to get actually get the job done. So I think I agree with you. One, they're in the title race. Two, it will be a disappointment if they don't finish in the Champions League positions now. But three, a cup win would be amazing for the fans. Yeah, it's just, I also, like I say, I think about what it would do for the club financially. Gives you more wiggle room to bring in great players and then maybe be consistent title challenges consistently, winning cups and consistently finishing around the top four. I think that's absolutely massive. But I also think about the manager and I think about these wonderful, excellent players that are playing for us at the moment. If you, I think if you asked them, and I haven't asked any of them, mm. they want to be playing Champions League football do, more yeah. so than yeah, winning yeah. the Europa Conference League and playing Europa do, League football. I mean, we might get both. Well, there is, yeah. there is a, there's a world where Villa get both. Isn't there better? And, and look, you know, it's it's not it's not greedy to want both, and it's not unrealistic to unrealistic to expect both because Villa are very well positioned at this mm. moment in time to go and do both. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd I'd back them to go and win the Europa Conference League if they continue playing um, strong teams, yeah, strong starting lineups. Um, and it's very hard to see how the form drops off that they don't finish in the top four as well now because there's a there's, there's almost a buffer, isn't there? Yeah. There is. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's looking you know, quite nice. You'd expect man. You'd have expected Manchester United to be <coughs> somewhere around the top four, wouldn't you? Villa have got ten points on them. Chelsea are absolutely miles off it. Villa are ahead of Man City. I still think Man City will win the league, but you know Villa are Villa are ahead of Man City at the moment. We've just got to do everything we can now to keep this pace, so that if ever there is a yeah. drop off and they lose a couple of games, 
you're not going to fall down too much because you've just created this. But for Villa, have got the most momentum in the league at the moment. It feels like with those last three wins, there's no more form team in the Premier League than Villa. No. I don't think when you got... take into account the home form as well. Yeah, they've got the best home form now in in the in well, in, the, in Europe, haven't they? Um, uh, the title race is wide open at this point. You know, Liverpool smashed Villa. Villa beat Arsenal. Arsenal beat Man City. Villa beat Man City. All three teams are still scared of Man City, which means that those four are all going for the title. You know, and my voice is going, so this has got to end soon. I think. I have to, have to wrap it up. So no, I'm presuming no press box archive. Oh, well, Greg Evers, don't you, could, my voice you could tell, you could tell an absolutely wonderful story. Now I know you won't because we've of, of what we just what we discussed earlier about Moscow. You could tell one of my favourite stories that I have ever been told by anyone. But I know you're not you're not going to do it. But that is genuinely one of my favourite stories I've ever been told. We'll save that the <laughs> oh my god, what a what a story, Greg! That that is one of my favourite days <laughs> of my life when you told me that story. Absolutely brilliant, but we won't tell it on this podcast. Greg Evans' his autobiography will reveal all. <laughs> right then, thank you ever so much for joining me, Greg, and thanks to everyone that will go on and listen and watch this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Obviously, we're both absolutely buoyant with how Villa are doing at the moment. Be back with a match preview show probably on Wednesday or Thursday ahead of Villa against Sheffield United with myself and Dave Reid. And disclaimer, Villa will win on Friday. I mean, they win at home anyway, but I can't go because I'm double booked because I didn't think for the life of me Aston Villa v Sheffield United would be on a Friday night. But of course, it got moved. So I'm not going to be there, which almost always guarantees Villa, Villa win. First game I've missed this season at Villa Park. So that's disappointing, but I'm hoping Villa will get the three points. So yeah, match preview and then Greg and I will probably appear at some point as well to do a show after that. So last time we might might be the last time we do one before Christmas potentially, Greg. I know you'll be busy over over Christmas as well. So chance yeah, to yeah. chance to wish the viewers and for, uh, yeah, for yeah. Stuff, will, yeah. Will we do a Sheffield United? Will we do a pod after after Sheffield United at some point? Well, I can't remember when you said you were unavailable. Yeah, yeah, I'm free. I'll, oh, I'll oh, we can jump on on Christmas Day if you like. No, oh, excellent. Yeah, I'll be sure to get up on Christmas morning and do a live with you, Greg. That would be absolutely wonderful. So yeah, thanks for all the support you're giving the channel. And yeah, great, such a great three points yesterday. I'm still absolutely buzzing with what Villa are doing. At the moment, watch out for those shows. Subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Let us know what you think with regards to the Conference League and the Premier League. Let us know in the comments and have a great week, Aston Villa fans. Up the Villa. Podcast Network.